You're listening to the Hockey Podcast Network. New shows every day. Find us at thehockeypodcastnetwork.com or wherever you get your podcasts from. Hey, everyone. Welcome to episode 154 of the Canadians Connection podcast. We have a great show in store for you today. But first, a word from our sponsor. Ladies and gentlemen, the first Sunday of the NFL season is here. And I don't know about you, but the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Now, DraftKings is giving all their new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Now, you just bet $1 on any football game this weekend, and you get $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure. I use it, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use promo code THPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code THPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older, New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com slash sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Welcome to your Canadians Connection on Rocket Sports Radio. This premier hockey podcast featured on allhabs.net brings you the latest news, in-depth analysis, and expert commentary about the NHL's most storied franchise, the Montreal Canadiens, hosted by Rick Stevens with Amy Johnson and Chris G. Our team of credentialed journalists provides behind-the-scenes insight on the Canadians, designed to inform, entertain, and engage Habs fans around the globe. We are proud to be the trusted source for all things Habs for more than a decade. This is the Canadians Connection Podcast. All right, hi everybody. Welcome to the Canadians Connection Podcast, episode 154 here on Rocket Sports Radio, keeping you informed, engaged, and entertained. My name is Chris G, and I'll be your host today. Today is Saturday, September 11th, and I'm pleased to be joined in the studio by my co-host, the editor-in-chief, the founder, and the president of Rocket Sports. It's Rick Stevens. How are you doing, Rick? I'm doing great, Chris. Uh, Glad to have you on the show again. And uh, listen, uh, to open, I just want to thank all of our listeners, uh, thank all of our subscribers. Uh, Last week was, it it was amazing. Um, Record downloads for the Canadians Connection podcast. Of course, we had a a big offer sheet issue to talk about. And uh, we just want to tell you how grateful we are for having you tune in week to week to week and to share this with your friends. And 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 listen, you don't want to miss an episode because now everything is getting, 
Well, it's getting serious. Um, you know, everything's happening. We have, uh, we see on Twitter, we have uh, new masks being unveiled for Jake Allen and for uh, Kevin Poulin in uh, his rocket mask. Um, and and training camps uh, coming up this week. And uh, you were to your first uh, live game uh, of the season, uh, AAA Midget, uh, Lac St. Louis, last night. How did that go? It, it went well. It felt great to be back in a, in an arena after after so long, and uh, got to see the Lexington Louis Lions who who went on to with a three nothing victory there at the Dollard Civic Center, and even like the, the protocols were were there at the at the arena, but it still felt nice. It still felt uh, normal being in the arena to watching uh, hockey and very grateful that I got the opportunity to do that. And it was a good game and a good start for the Lac St. Louis Lions in their uh, in their season. So great to be back in, the, in an arena and looking forward because we know like it's one month from tomorrow, September 12th, that the NHL regular season gets underway. Wow. And then shortly after that is when the Laval Rocket begin as well. So we'll be in plenty of arenas uh, this season. <laughs> That's true. And and you mentioned off the top of the of the show, you know, you mentioned for last week, uh, it was like the big offer sheet of Yesperikot uh, Kanyemi that was out there. So we had a lot to talk about it. And well, if if you thought that the offer sheet is a story of the past and that we moved on from it, well, you're wrong because it still stayed in the news cycle. So it's going to come up uh, during today's episode. We're also going to uh, talk about prospects, like a prospect report, and it'll be from all over the world, from overseas all the way to uh, Trois-Rivières. This claims prospects already in action and, and in news as well. And in our big segment topic, we're going to take a pre-training camp look at the Montreal Canadiens, lines, defensive pairings, and tackle some of the outstanding questions remaining to come out of camp. So it's a, it's a busy, busy show lined up for you uh, today on the Canadian Connection podcast. Sounds exciting. It is. It's, gr- it's great to finally start talking about lines about like roster moves like ahead of camp it's uh, it's a lot more fun than some of the off uh, season <laughs> news that we had especially this year when it comes to the Montreal news but we'll keep those in the past um, first a reminder Habs notepad every Monday on allhabs.net and the Habs headlines from uh, Tuesday to Friday with uh, with Rick Stevens uh, this week they were primarily focused on well reaction to the offer sheet of Jesperi Kotkaniemi and the acquisition of Christian Dvorak. But there was also a couple of other fascinating stories that appeared on the headlines. And we can start off with on Tuesday, uh, Phil Pritchard. You know who that is? His job is to follow around the Stanley Cup. He literally sleeps with the Stanley Cup at night in his bed. That's how (laughs) close he has to be to the Cup. He, he posted photos on uh, social media of the Canadian's name being engraved to the Clarence Campbell Bowl. And just a reminder, the Canadians uh, won the bowl for beating the, uh, the Vegas Golden Knights. And it's normally handed out to the Western Conference champions. But because of the whole realigned divisions and the, the, the revised playoff format last year, it was the first time that the Canadian's name in history appeared on uh, on that uh, Clarence Campbell Bowl. 
one of those trophies. You think the Can- Canadians have won every trophy uh, there there is in the NHL? Well, this was their first time, as you said, those realigned divisions and and uh, set up that semifinal uh, a playoff matchup with with Vegas, and so they are winners of the Clarence Campbell Bowl. Uh, as reported by Phil Pr- Phil Pritchard, uh, met him in Dallas uh, uh, for the uh, NHL draft. Uh, heck of a nice guy and uh, known on Twitter, if you're not following, as Keeper of the Cup. On uh, In other news, on Wednesday, the Canadians announced that uh, Christian Dvorak, he'll wear number 28 uh, this season. Uh, he wore number 18 with the Coyotes, but that number isn't available in uh, Montreal. They're probably running out of options. And the last player to wear number 28, it's not that long ago, is uh, John Merrill, who worked for the Canadians uh, last uh, last season. Kind of a run of defensemen uh, f- uh, for that number 28, whether it's Merrill or uh, Marco Scandella before him, Jakob Jarebek, uh, Mike Riley, and Nate the Great Beaulieu <laughs> before that. Uh, so uh, the player that, uh, the forward that last wore, uh, number 28 was uh, Eunice Natanen. Um, Who? <laughs> a favorite of mine at camp. I, I thought he was, uh, yeah, he had a lot of skill. Um, yeah, that was a while ago. So uh, we should be expecting, you read a, 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 a where is he now kind of post. That's great. Yeah, I can do that. that. I can do that. Yeah. Okay. Uh, but meanwhile, while Rick prepares that, you can check out the Habs headlines posts every weekday on uh, allhabs.net. Uh, Let's begin with some uh, roster news. On Monday, Mark Bergevin met the media on the aftermath of the Esperica Kanyemi uh, offer sheet, spoke about a variety of uh, topics. Uh, the first one that we'll discuss is that he confirmed that there won't be a captain named this season to replace Shea, uh, Shea Weber. So we know Shea Weber, at least from the words of Mark Bergevin, isn't expected to return this season. And maybe never again on the ice for uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And earlier in, during the offseason, uh, Ducharme was asked, and he, he said that, you know, we don't know yet. He wasn't as decisive and affirmative as uh, as Mark Pergevin was on Monday. It was uh, it was an interesting media avail- availability. Of course, uh, Mark Bergevin spoke about Jesper uh, uh, Kotkaniemi, spoke about Christian Dvorak. If you want to hear audio from that, uh, media availability. Um, check out the the Press Zone, uh, the Press Zone Montreal, our sister podcast, and and uh, Amy Johnson and I played some audio uh, from that. But as far as other news, roster news that Mark Bergevin made, uh, yes, uh, no acting acting captain this uh, this year. Um, out of respect to uh, Shea Weber. Uh, I'm assuming, and uh, Mark Bergevin said, um, we're losing our captain, uh, it's going to hurt, um, and uh, someone who's impossible to replace, and, and his leadership and, and his place in the lineup will be very difficult for the Canadians to replace. Yeah, so so it'll be, so we'll, we'll see a bunch of A's, and I know Paul Byron had a knee also last season. He won't start the season, so we should expect an, another, you know, another uh, player to be added in that uh, leadership group with with the lettering. So we should find that out. I would say some point between now and the start of the regular uh, season. Uh, Mark Bergevin was also asked about his centers to to start the the season, and and Mark Bergevin said that he is comfortable with uh, what he has 
on his uh, roster right now. Obviously, like I wasn't expecting him to say otherwise. And when I look at the Canadians' centers, and you know, it's one of the questions that will come up in our big talk, uh, big topic segment. I'm personally not comfortable with the centers that the Canadians had, and to and just to going retrospect, I wasn't even comfortable even before the KK offer sheets came uh, mm-hmm. came in. I still expect that uh, the centers will be a position of weakness for the Canadians uh, this season. It, it was unusual in the fact that Mark Bergevin actually listed the centers, uh, not something he usually do. And of course, uh, starting with Nick Suzuki, his new acquisition, Christian Dvorak, Jake Evans, uh, who took a big step forward last year. Uh, he mentioned Ryan Paling um, had a terrific season in Laval last year and his free agent acquisition, Cedric uh, Paquette. Uh, did not mention Matthew Perot, did not mention uh, Jonathan Drouin. No, he 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 didn't. Uh, he still might end up there. Like I like I mentioned last week, I think there's there's still a chance that he'll he'll uh, he'll end up there at some point. But speaking of Jonathan Drouin, our favorite player, Rick, uh-huh. uh, it, it was announced that uh, he will speak to RDS to Chantal Maccabé on uh, on Monday, September twentieth. Which is election night in uh, in Canada, <laughs> so uh, so it'll be quite uh, quite the uh, TV day for uh, in in the country, and well, we should it will be his first media public media availability uh, since his departure from uh, of the team last year. So we should finally, well, I assume that we should finally find out more about uh, what happened last season. Yeah, I, I expect so. Uh, Jonathan Drouin hasn't been available. Uh, he's There was his own uh, charity golf tournament um, supporting Chum. There was uh, Dominic Ducharme's golf tournament, but he didn't speak at either of those. This is this is kind of a... I, I think this is a good step. Uh, the organization is, has arranged this with RDS, one of the rights holders. Uh, and Chantal Maccabee is is um, is going to be gentle with with Jonathan Drouin, so it's a good reintroduction for him. Of course, Jonathan Drouin uh, left the team on April 28th, um, missed the last I think it's 12 regular season games and all 22 playoff games, uh, but has declared himself uh, fit and ready to go for uh, the upcoming season. And on September 20th, if I'm not mistaken, is the day before the golf tournament to kick off the, the season. So I'm, I'm assuming also the Canadians or Drew himself, either or a combination of both of them, wanted to get these questions out of the way on mm-hmm. the 20th to try to stick to hockey questions on the 21st. We know it won't be necessarily the, the case, but at least I think the majority of the questions will be answered on the 20th and then you know start focusing on hockey on uh, on the 21st, which I think is good for everybody. It's good for joint. It's good for the organization. I think it's good for fans that everything is out there. And then, you know, hopefully we could uh, we could all move on from that uh, whole uh, situation. On um, another news, on uh, Wednesday, season ticket holders received an email from the Montreal Canadiens, and while they made a couple of announcements uh, to them. They announced that at least to start of the, for the start of the season, the capacity at the Bell Center will be capped at 7,500 fans, and the fans will be split in sections of uh, 500. And the admission to the Bell Center will be exclusive to uh, to individuals who are double vaccinated, 
obviously age 13 or older, or children uh, can also, under age of 12, who aren't eligible to get vaccinated, can also uh, attend. And proof of uh, double vaccination will need to be presented to um, to gain entry into uh, the, the Bell Center. And, and Rick, when, when the news came out, started being posted by the media on, uh, on social media that this was being sent out to the season ticket holders, um, there was a lot of questions because we, we've seen announcements from other uh, teams. I think that the Jets think were the first one, but we've seen it from the, from the Leafs as well, et cetera, that it's only double vaccinated fans who will be able to go in attendance. But we even heard on Friday that the, the Senators are expecting to be able to f- hold capacity crowds at it. So there were some questions around why is it only 7,500 fans at the, uh, in Montreal? And and it's uh, and you understand the disappointment certainly of season ticket holders uh, who you know their season ticket doesn't necessarily mean they get to see every game they have to choose from a a, a package per month of games that are are made available um, and uh, and those decisions have to be made by Monday already. Um, so uh, this is in accordance, the 7,500 limit, of course, the Bell Center has a capacity of 21,302 for hockey, uh, considerably less, uh, a third uh, of, of, the, uh, uh, of the fans will be allowed in to meet the, the Quebec government regulations about uh, gatherings. Um, and, uh, and, and also, uh, as you said, they'll have to provide proof through the, the brand new vaccine code passport, uh, that, uh, they are double vaccinated and that applies for anyone 13 years uh, of age and up. Yeah. And I think it was, it was really good what, what you mentioned that like, this isn't the Canadians, uh, putting the limit of 7,500 fans. Nope. Like, the Canadians, like they would want a full house, right? Double yeah. vaccinated, fill the arena up. This is uh what the provincial regulations are so there's no exception being made for uh, for the canadians if an exception is done for the canadians they're going to open it up for all type of similar uh events so so we'll see how that goes and, and it's not a fixed number like uh it, it could go up as the season progresses but at least start off the season that's what uh, that's what the number is Let's move on now, Rick, and let's go to a Habs prospect report. This edition of the Rocket Report is brought to you by AHL.Report, your premier source for the Laval Rocket, the AHL affiliate of the Montreal Canadiens. AHL.Report is a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. And Rick, I mentioned off the top of the podcast that we're going to go international this week for, for, sure. uh, for a Habs prospect report. And we'll begin with Canadian's prospect, uh, Oro Leskinen, who, who was with the Laval Rockets for the last uh, two seasons, had a really good year la- last season. Uh, during the offseason, signed to play in the KHL. And Rick, uh, earlier this week, he, he played his first game in that league. He did. And, and I would say, arguably, uh, Otto Lens, uh, Leskinen was the most reliable uh, uh, Laval Rocket defenseman last year um, in the KHL this year, but the Canadians uh, sent him a qualified offer. He was a restricted free agent, so they retain his rights. Uh, but this was his first career game in the KHL. Uh, his, he playing for Yokerit. 
his team uh, won the game uh, six to five over Kunlin Red Star, and Otto Leskinen had uh, two assists. Back in action uh, today. Um, uh, playing uh, Akbar uh, Kazan uh, again with uh, Jokert Helsinki. That's uh, Otto Leskinen, so good luck to him. And speaking of uh, prospects, well, on uh, Friday, the Montreal Canadiens announced that 27 players will attend their rookie camp, which will take place starting September 15th all the way to the 21st at uh, the Bell Sports Complex in Brossard. Uh, Laval Rocket head coach Jean-François Hull will lead the on-ice practices and evaluations at the camp on top of handling all coaching responsibilities during the games with his assistant coaches Kelly Buckberger, Martin Laperriere and Marco uh, Marciano. So all the Laval Rocket uh, staff will be in charge of that. The, uh, your, the prospects are also going to play three games in total. They're going to face the Ottawa Senators prospects in a home-and-home home series on September 18th in, in Ottawa and September 20th in uh, Brossard. And on September 21st, they're scheduled to face uh, U-Sports All-Star Collegiate players uh, as well. That game will be in Brossard as well. And at least for the games in uh, Brossard, uh, no fans will be allowed to attend the games or practice. And Rick, I know that uh, rookie camp is one of your favorite things that happens, events that happens every year. Absolutely, um, it's uh, it, it's for for many fans. It's the first chance they get to see uh, newly drafted players. It's uh, uh, an opportunity to see players who we're familiar with. Uh, there is. Um, and and some of the CHL players got an opportunity to play with um, uh, the Laval Rocket last year when the the CHL was uh, shut down when their teams weren't playing. Uh, Johnny Fairbrother, Caden Gooley uh, got into uh, a couple of games and looked pretty good for the Rocket. Jan Mishak, who I really liked uh, last season uh, with the Rocket, played about twenty two games. Uh, uh, there's also going to be Jesse Alonen, um, Matthias Norlander, who has already been playing uh, games over in Europe. In fact, was uh, in a game today um, and uh, lots of promise. Uh, Mark Bergevin mentioning his name. And then, as I said, the newly drafted players. Kind of excited to see uh, Riley Kidney. Um, lots of uh, People talking about him at the draft. Lots of hockey sense. Riley Kidney uh, playing in his own preseason game yesterday, I believe. Uh, Ackerty Bathurst versus Charlottetown. Uh, Riley Kidney had a goal and an assist in that game as well. You had uh, uh, draftee William Trudeau. He had two assists. Uh, Xavier Simino, he had uh, one assist. Those players also will be at the camp. Uh, and as far as the goaltending prospect, we're getting the North Bay uh, Battalion goaltender, six foot six, uh, Joe Verbetic, uh, and we had that special interview on the press zone with his mom, with his parents, uh, mom and dad, and and if you missed it, that's a great interview. So we'll we'll get to see Joe Verbetic uh, at uh, rookie camp as well. And then the breakdown for the players at. Uh at the rookie camp, it's 13 draft selections, three free agents, 11 tryouts, and uh, three on an AHL uh, contract. And if you want to see the complete roster, it can be found on the AHL uh, dot report. So moving now to more locally, locally in the Montreal Canadiens region, we're going to head over to uh, Trois-Rivières uh, about uh, 
an hour and a half away from uh, from Montreal. A big announcement made by the organization on uh, Thursday: a new sponsor, a new broadcast deal, and that's with uh, with Quebecor and under the name of uh, Videotron. So the Colise will be renamed the Colise Videotron, and uh, as well part of the deal. 26 home games, including the home opener against the Growlers on October 21st, will be broadcast on uh, TVA Sports. Most of the games will be in the weekdays at uh, 7 o'clock or on the Saturday afternoons at uh, 3 p.m. So, Rick, for an organization, like for an ECHL organization, a deal like this is is huge. One, uh, financially financially and number two as well for exposure that they're going to get through their uh, through the tv deal what a great opportunity real great opportunity and kind of unprecedented with uh for an ac echl team uh this is a this is great for uh great exposure for the trois Riviere lions and of course it's been some time since uh the montreal canadians have had their own echl franchise uh, interesting matchup on the 21st, uh, the very first broadcast of TVS4 uh, of the Lions, the home opener uh, versus the Newfoundland Growlers. And it's got to be a special moment uh, for owner of uh, the Newfoundland, owner of both uh, the Trois-Rivières Lions and the Newfoundland Growlers, Dean McDonald. He's the chairman of uh, Deacon Sports and Entertainment and was instrumental in bringing the CHL franchise to Trois-Rivières. Yeah, and I think also like the TVA or the, the whole Quebecor, I think we'll, we'll do a good job with um, with this franchise because Quebecor in in Quebec, it, they they have their footprints in hockey. Like they they own the the Armada in Blainville Bois Briand. Their owners the Quebec Ramparts as well. So so they're into hockey. It's it's not their first experience in uh, in the world of hockey. So I think it'll be a, uh, like you mentioned, great exposure. It'll be good for. Uh, for uh, Trois-Rivières and it also will allow Canadians fans like fans of the organization to kind of follow everything that's going on with the organization whether it's on TVA for uh, for Trois-Rivières on RDS example for uh, for the Rocket and then like the other national broadcasts for for the Montreal Canadiens so so great great news for um for the, the Trois-Rivières Lions, and congratulations to Mark Wakeman and uh, all of his team as well. Rick, the press one is coming up on Tuesday. Why don't you talk to us a little bit about that? Brand new episode of the Press Zone Montreal coming up on Tuesday. Myself with uh, host Amy Johnson. Last week, if you missed it, uh, it was one of our AHL hot stoves. Uh, we've started this year our new contributor, Patrick Williams, who is uh, an AHL guru. And uh, Amy and Patrick and myself, we sat down and talked about the viability of the AHL this season. Tough season for the AHL and all their franchises last year. Uh, what has to go right this year uh, for it to be a successful season? So catch up on that episode. Uh, and uh, you can find the Press Zone Montreal on all of your uh, favorite podcast uh, platforms uh, or check out uh, AHLReport.com. And on the AHL.Report, we'll also you'll find coverage of Laval Rockets, uh, the Trois-Rivières as well, and everything that has to do with uh, the prospects in the uh, organization. All right, let's move on now to our um, 
to our next topic. So the Esperico Kanyemi offer sheet was still in the news cycle, and not only in Montreal. It was, it was, I would say, in the news cycle of the hockey world as well. And when the offer sheet was made, and we saw like the $20 signing bonus, we saw the $15 there in the contract. There was always, and we even saw like a, uh, a tweet from um, Renault Lavoie the day after the offer sheet was... Um, was signed that the owner Tom Dundon apparently was heavily involved in uh, in this decision that was made by the organization to uh, to make that offer to the Canadians forward. Well, on Tuesday, Sportsnet 590 in uh, Toronto had Tom Dundon in an interview to they primarily spoke about the uh, the offer sheet as uh, as a topic. And well, we have a couple of clips from that uh, interview. And while there was reports that were confirmed by uh, Don Waddell as well, and were confirmed by Mark Bergevin as well when uh, he spoke with the media, that the Carolina Hurricanes did attempt to acquire Yisperi Kotkaniemi via trade prior to making the uh, the offer sheet. And uh, Tom Dundon spoke about how the reaction would have been if uh, there was actually a trade and not an offer sheet. Look, if we could have traded for the player, none of this would have been public and would never come up. So he he was just kind of responding to the all the noise that accompanied the uh, the offer sheet and all the discussion around the marketing efforts. Um, uh, you know, uh, Carolina is trying to build a fan base, very different from Montreal. And so they tried to get attention with this. He said that was looked after by the marketing folks uh, and kind of a last minute uh, put that together. Uh, he wasn't really involved in that. But um, he talked about, it. you know, it would have been a pretty quiet transaction if it had have, uh, evolved as a trade. And, um, and yes, we heard from Pierre Lebrun and others. Probably the best uh, description of what happened came from Elliot Friedman in his 31 Thoughts podcast, and I recommend that you listen to that. Elliot has some great uh, uh, details about what went down, and uh, he said that uh, Carolina had warned uh, Montreal, had given uh, Mark Bergevin a heads up that they were going to tender an offer sheet and asked Montreal to uh, to make a trade, uh, propose a trade, uh, and uh, and and we can negotiate that, and then uh, and that would that will prevent our our offer. Uh, Mark Bergevin chose not to make a trade, not to propose a trade. So it was it was interesting in in the fact that Mark Bergevin said something about that the compensation, uh, the trade compensation wasn't, uh, enough, uh, and it didn't match the, um, what they received as compensation for the offer sheet. But the thing is that, that that was left in the hands of Mark Bergevin. So it was whatever he had decided, uh, because according to Elliot, Elliot Friedman and, and his talk with, uh, insiders of the league, that it was left to Montreal to, uh, propose a trade. Uh, they decided, uh, they would not do that. And one thing is for sure, Rick, is that Tom Dundon, I don't think he understands Montreal markets. If, even if there would have been a trade, it would have been pretty noisy in Montreal sure, for, sure. for, yeah. for Kotkaniemi. So he clearly, it probably would have been quiet in Carolina, but <laughs> it, it sure wouldn't have been quiet in, uh, in Montreal. 
Uh, another topic that Dom, Tom Dundon brought up during, well, sorry, that was asked about, I should say, during the interview, he didn't uh, practically bring it up, was um, was a, he was asked to comment whether uh, the offer sheet to Kotkaniemi was revenge to uh, the Canadian's offer sheet to Sebastian Ajo, and uh, let's hear what uh, you have to answer to that. I don't think we would use offer sheets as a normal strategy, um, but given the circumstance, you know, with what happened to us with this team, it made it something we would consider. But the idea that we would do it, you know, to get even a revenge is silly. Like, we're, we just want to win, right? You just want to win games, and we would only do something that we thought would help us win more games. And, you know, the conclusion of our scouts and internally was that this was a player with a really big future. And, you know, maybe his brand was down a little bit based on the way the season ended or things had gone for him. But, you know, we had a lot of conviction or our folks had a lot of conviction in the future. So, you know, I think if it hadn't happened to us, it probably wouldn't have happened to them. But it wasn't the reason we did it. It really interesting comments, uh, especially they, they're completely opposite to what uh, Renault Lavoie and others said. Oh, this was all driven by Tom Dundon. This is, uh, you know, his marketing effort. He was the one that came up with these these gimmicks. Um, he's denying all of that. Um, he said, you know, first and foremost, uh, they don't they don't uh, use offer sheets. He doesn't find them. Uh, that useful, um, and, uh, and and because there's always going to be the chance of of retribution. However, in this case, it was uh, a rather unique situation. And and um, there's another clip where he goes on and said that that things just unfolded uh, the way they did. Uh, they tried to sign, uh, tried to extend a player, and and that didn't happen. They tried to sign a free agent, that didn't happen, and so in looking to improve their club, uh, they had they had some um, cap space left over. And he said that uh, cap space is an asset. You want to use it. You don't want to leave it uh, to waste. Um, so. Uh, you know, the offer sheet was one of the, the options that was presented to them. And it, it was just a unique situation because it also happened to be that uh, his people, his his scouting staff, uh, but more importantly, uh, their uh, their analytics staff, their strategic uh, folks. Eric Toluski is one of the best there is in, in, as, as far as that goes, an assistant GM with Carolina. Uh, and the analytics community like uh, the uh, the numbers, the underlying numbers on Jesperi Kotkin. I mean, kind of showing that that he's not reached his his potential. Um, so they, he said they wanted this player. The fact that uh, there was uh, the the history with Montreal kind of opened the door, uh, but it was not the the motivating factor for uh, them going ahead with this move. I believed uh, even Don Waddell when he, when he met the media and he mentioned that you know like the, the fifteen dollars and the twenty dollars signing bonus was for a marketing thing. I I believe that. I still believe. I, I bought it. I I I I kind of you know I, I'll give him the benefit of the doubt. I think you know what it makes sense what they're saying. So I'll take the word for it. I think uh, and I believe that's what happened for for that case. So I'm I'm over any kind of disappointment that I had about the, the, the numerology around the, the contract. Like, I, I'm, I'm over it. I get it. They're in a bad hockey market. They want to, they want to grow it. It's totally uh, bought into that. 
in the clip that we just played, he says, if it hadn't happened to us, it probably wouldn't have happened to them. But uh, revenge isn't the reason we we did it. So, uh, Kanyemi, he he is a good player. Like I'm, I'm, I'm not trying to take away anything away from the, the quality of of the of the of the player himself. But he kind of says it there that you know what if 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 uh, Canadians hadn't offer sheeted Aho in uh, July of 2019, they. Even though they like this player, you know, maybe they would have tried to trade for him. Uh, Wadal had said they negotiated from Tuesday to Friday. So that's, what, four days that they negotiated. You know, if there was no offer sheet, they, they likely would have negotiated a bit longer. You know, be patient a bit, see how things go out in the season. I think they would have found another way to try to make this happen between the, the two teams. So that last part where he says revenge isn't the reason we did it, and um, it's, it, I agree that it wasn't the only reason why I did it, but it's certainly part of the reason. Like I, and I don't know, like it's, I'm convinced that revenge was one of the main reasons why it was done, but not the only reason for uh, for Kakanyami. So. Um, Let's go on to the next topic. We, we, we talked a bunch about the software sheet and, and in episodes. Yeah, and, and, and there's just one more clip I'm going to play um, where he talks about the, the very unique circumstances uh, that, that they found themselves in. I don't think that at all. I actually think this is a very unique situation. I can't think of another another situation where it's a really good idea because, you know, usually you know you've got a player coming. So in our case, we had plenty of cap space the Ajo situation and so if the team has the cap space you're not going to get their good player anyway and so I, I kind of think usually it's a waste of time so I think I think this was just a very unique unique set of circumstances but no I, I wouldn't be surprised if it doesn't happen again for a long long time because it, it's not the you know it's not part of our strategy to build our team this was just it's a unique set of circumstances that came up. And and just to, he was the question he was asked is was, does this open the door to more offer sheets, and um, he said no he wouldn't be surprised if it it is not going to happen again for a long long time and and when you talk to uh, you talk to assistant GMs you talk to uh, scouts and develop, uh, offer sheets are are taboo there there's something that. Um, you, you, you don't want to use unless it's uh, an absolute last resort because you know that it's going to follow you. Uh, and, and so that's why they're so, they're so rare. Um, 38 times, I believe it is, that they've been used in the National Hockey League and only 14 times have they been successful. So uh, this is something that, that uh, yeah, I, I think that given all that happened, uh, we're, we're, this isn't going to open the floodgates. It, it doesn't mean that we're going to see more of them. In fact, maybe, maybe we'll see few, fewer, um, as Dundon predicts. So is this the end of the rivalry between Caroline and the Canadians? No. I think this was it. No, I think it's still going to continue. Yeah. Maybe on social media, but I'm not sure if it'll go anything more than uh, than that. I don't see them uh, offer sheeting another player. Oh, no, 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 no. <laughs> on that. So so there's plenty more of Kotkanemi coverage, uh, like we mentioned at the top of the show in our last in episode 153 and in the bonus episode. So if you want to hear more extensive talk on that topic, you know, we could, you could go back to that one. But... If we move on, like there, like there's still more news topic, and Kakanyemi's name still came up. 
um, at a golf event on Wednesday. It was um, a golf tournament where Canadian's coach Dominic Ducharme, he was the honorary president of that golf tournament. And, well, it was the first time that uh, Ducharme spoke with the media since uh, the whole offer sheet occurred. And, well, Dominic Ducharme said that he liked working with uh, with Kalkaniemi, but in a salary cap world, uh, the 6.1 million, you know, he understood why he had to be uh, uh, he had to be let go to go to Carolina. Uh, Kalkaniemi uh, Ducharme ends up continuing saying that if Kalkaniemi uses the experience that he's gained so far uh, the right way, it can pay off for him because he still played uh, 300 games total in the NHL at uh, age 21, which is Lots of experience that not a lot of players have at that age. And then Jusharm went um, talking a little bit specifically about uh, Kotkaniemi and the player that he is. So he spoke that the times that Kotkaniemi had the most success was when he used his toolbox the best. And he also said it was the, the opposite. So kind of implies that, Rick, that he felt that Kotkaniemi wasn't using his toolbox um, at all times, and and he kind of echoed there uh, the comments, uh, probably the most criticized comment of of Mark Bergevin's uh, presser uh, was that uh, Mark Bergevin said that all uh, new players to the team get the same uh, toolbox, uh, and uh, th- there are a lot of lot of negative criticism about that, uh, and and uh, Ducharme echoing those, saying talking again about that toolbox, and you know as it's as it's the criticisms come up, uh, you know is that the right toolbox? Are the 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 tools the right ones? Should the same toolbox be used for every player, regardless of their situation? But um, uh, Ducharme said yes. That was that was when uh, Kakinemi was most uh, successful when he used the tools that we gave him. Um, and and he said it, it doesn't matter where they're from. Um, every player needs uh, to to figure out uh, the tools to be successful and to be consistent. And and I think that's. Uh, that's fair. Both both uh, Bergevin and uh, Descharmes uh, talked about uh, Kotkaniemi's lack of of consistency. But then you know the questions arise. Well, if that's what you're concerned about, uh, why the instability of the lines? Kotkaniemi, the you know. Uh, had the least uh, amount of stability when it came to his line mates uh, last season. Uh, even when he he developed some chemistry with uh, with Tyler Toffoli briefly, uh, and they were playing well together, uh, Toffoli was snatched away to put on another line when say Deneau wasn't going well. Uh, so um, it it uh, blame to be sh- shared uh, certainly. Um, um, with uh, the prospect, with uh, with Mark Bergevin, and uh, and with uh, Dominic Ducharme. Yeah, and, and Ducharme went on to say that he doesn't think that the fact that uh, Kotkinemi was scratched during the finals was what convinced him to to leave. He Ducharme felt that Kotkinemi knew what the coaching staff was looking from him. That it explained to him during the final and after. Which necessarily wasn't what Kotkaniemi had shared at that uh, time, uh, but Ducharme didn't did go on to say that uh, he felt that Kotkaniemi was a good teammate even when that happened when he was scratched that uh, he had a good attitude about it, and uh, the coach went on to add that he he likes acquisition 
that uh, was made with uh, Christian Dvorak uh, later that uh, that day. And he also spoke about his lines, and he feel and he said that right now there's no plan, and he expects to be uh, trials and rotations to uh, to begin uh, the camp. Again, he echoed um, Mark Bergevin. Mark Bergevin had said, with respect to Christian Dvorak, he's not a player that's going to wow you. Uh, Descharm said uh, something similar. He's not going to be a player that's going to uh, bring you out of your seat. Uh, But he's uh, uh, a reliable guy you can send into almost any situation, and you know what you're going to expect. Uh, uh, Christian Dvorak, a player who's kind of reached his his uh, ceiling, uh, he's plateaued, uh, he's a known quantity, uh, whereas uh, Kakinyemi is uh, still developing. Um, interesting that uh, Ducharme was asked specifically about Jonathan Duran. Jonathan Duran uh, had said that uh, he would be willing to play center, uh, and uh, Ducharme said, well, if we were if we jumped on the ice tomorrow, um, uh, Duran would be on the wing. So uh, things can change. Things can change at training camp. Things can change uh, with inj- injuries during the season. But for now, um, on the lineup that he's got penciled in, uh, Jonathan Duran will be a winger. Uh, on Tuesday, former Canadians goaltender coach Stefan Waite was interviewed on the Kojiko Radio Network on the ninety-eight point five FM Montreal by uh, Mario Langlois. And he spoke about uh, three different uh, players. Let's start with uh, the first player that he spoke about is uh, Philip, uh, the Philip Dano story. And what Stefan Waite said about Philip Dano is that he, he likes him. He would keep him on his team at the right price, but uh, he f- felt that uh, his salary demands were exaggerated. And as soon as he heard what Philip Dano's salary demands were, he said that he knew that um, basically Dano was in his final days with the Canadians. And um, Stefan Waite feels like he had a similar player to Dano uh, at maximum $3 million. Uh, he also went on to say that uh, Evans will be able to do the same job as Philip Dano in terms of shutting down uh, opposition, and he feels that uh, Philip Dano is a, a third-line uh, player on a uh, on a good team. So, before we move on to their topics, Rick, what do what your thoughts on what you have to say about Dano? I like Stefan Wade. I always have. Uh, I like uh, mostly the work that he did with Carey Price and and Jake Allen and and the the rest of the goaltenders, but. Um, we've heard him several times since his dismissal from uh, the Canadians, and he's always honest, direct. There's no filter uh, whatsoever with Stefan Waite, um, and and particularly since uh, since he's left the organization, um, he he talked about uh, that that on a you know on a Stanley Cup uh, team. Philip Deneau should be your third line center, and a third line center should be paid one million, two million, three million maximum. Uh, they're not paying uh, five point five million to a third liner. That's way too much. He says, "I love the guy, but you, you have to be realistic." Um, and he said that that Philip Deneau kind of got an inflated uh, sense of self uh, that uh, he wasn't. Uh, he always saw himself as as much better. 
than he actually is. And and the interesting thing is that really tied into something that Mark Bergevin, during the, the press conference that he had early in the week, talked about um, how, how difficult it is uh, sometimes for players to uh, assess them, the, the, their own game. And at the time, we were thinking it applied to Jesperi Kotkaniemi, but since the, the comments of Stefan Wade, it could equally apply to Philip Deneau. To reach that point, I think, is assessing his own games. And sometimes players are, are a little more, uh, not all of them, but some are, they don't quite assess their game the right way or, or the way they're really playing. And then that caused, you know, you know different uh, perspective of how the players play. And that causes difficulty with um, with the players, as he said. Um, but what what could help that is if with uh, effective communication. And we know that that Mark Bergevin is a uh, top down. He's a uh, he's uh, as as Elliot Friedman said in in his podcast. Mark Bergevin is known around the league as a control freak. He he dominates a conversation. Uh, he decides things. He's not he's not the kind of guy who takes advice uh, very well. Um, and we've seen that with. Uh, with really smart hockey people that when they left the organization, Rick Dudley and Shane Churlin, they talked about um, uh, not their, their advice not being valued by, by Mark Bergevin. And, um, and I, I think the same goes for a player. We know that Dom Ducharme isn't the best of communicators. Um, and, and that's a real difficulty when it comes to young players. And, and it's created this pattern as we've gone along of, uh, of players leaving and, and, uh, and, and management and coaching staff saying some, some, um, nasty things about them. Uh, and, and, and certainly not, not complimentary. Uh, but I think here's the key. Um, and that is that uh, maybe Dominic Ducharme realized that uh, because when he went out and looked for a an assistant uh, this this summer uh, to add someone to the bench, he picked someone who is who's known for his communication skills, and that's Trevor Latowski. Uh, Trevor Latowski is one of the key ads to the Montreal Canadiens in the offseason, no question about it. And that's not just because he's from Thunder Bay, Ontario, my hometown, uh, and he spends his summers at the, the beautiful Cloud Lake, uh, right between, right, well, almost to the to the Ontario-Minnesota uh, border, right by Pigeon River Crossing. Um, but Trevor Latowski... Uh, there's an interesting interview he did with Mark uh, Antoine Godin in The Athletic. And uh, the quote in there from, from Trevor Litowski is uh, fascinating. He says, when I first came to the junior ranks, I was telling people, I f- w- felt like I was telling players what to do. Not so much dictating down to them, but I had my opinion. If it was a five-minute meeting, I'd take up four minutes, and they'd say a couple of things. But what I learned, especially if you want to build a relationship, is listening is more important than talking. A lot of guys, young, a lot of times, young guys need to figure out things on their own. You can talk to them, maybe ask them questions, uh, but you have to ask the right questions, getting them to figure things out, and that way they're going to have an easier time finding a solution rather than just uh, preaching at them and it's going to fall on deaf ears. I thought a, a really neat tie-in with, with uh, some of the, the 
um, the flaws in, in the Canadians organization and in their development uh, has been that communication, particularly with young players. And I thought it was interesting that, uh, that the Trevor Lutowski interview came up this, this week because uh, he's the one and, and, and to a lesser extent, uh, Burroughs and, and, uh, and Richardson um, are going to be those guys who, who fill in that gap and ha- help uh, correct that flaw that, uh, that the, the Canadians have with young players. And, um, and, and just getting on with, with Stefan Waite, just to finish that, that first uh, topic, he, he feels that uh, he liked the acquisition of Christian Dvorak, and he also felt that it, he, he's a better player overall than, uh, than Philip uh, Danoy is. And it was a good signing as well. I know. I know a lot of pl- people have. Uh, uh, when we posted that on our fan page on Facebook, uh, Facebook.com/slash/allhabs, we have a community of uh, about fifty thousand Habs fans there who chime in regularly on things. You want to go there uh, if you're a Facebook user. Uh, and share your comments. Uh, they said, "How could that be?" Uh, Philip Deneau is, uh, you know, one of the best um, uh, defensive players in the game. Um, uh, Stefan Waite seemed to say that uh, 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 Dvorak is is equal to uh, uh, Deneau as far as defensively. He's better offensively, um, better in faceoffs, um, and. I think that myth started to grow during the playoffs and, and uh, the analytics folks kind of debunked that myth that, that uh, the, of Philip Deneau as a shutdown guy because against the Leafs, it was Marner and Matthews still getting every chance. Uh, you know, it wasn't Deneau shutting them down. It was Carey Price shutting them down. Uh, so maybe the Canadians uh, knew that and, and, and it's being expressed through Stefan Waite that... Uh, you know, maybe the 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 legend uh, concerning Philip Deneau was a little larger than um, uh, than the uh, the reality, and that led to Philip Deneau overassessing his abilities, getting the big contract from Los Angeles, and great for him uh, to do that. But uh, the Canadians uh, thought that they could do just as well with a combination of of uh, Jake Evans and Christian Dvorak. And the last topic that uh, Stefan Wade brought up was the Asperi Kaptenemi, obviously the biggest story. Uh, so he felt that his first reaction is that it was uh, the offer sheet from Carolina was um, was payback for the Sebastian Aho offer sheet. Uh, but I found his assessment of uh, Kaptenemi's time with Montreal to be really uh, interesting. So, so Stefan Wade described uh, Kaptenemi as when he came to Montreal, like we all saw, like he, he had a, a big smile in his face, how he was smiling. And, and Wade said that as the time was going on, we were able to see it as well, like with our own eyes, like through the, through the interviews that his smile, he was smiling less and less as his time was going with, uh, with the Canadians. And he, he, Wade feels that KK, like right now, he 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 lacks maturity, like you know, physically and and you know, overall maturity as as well. And he feels that once Kotkaniemi matures in in both aspects, he will be worth that six point one million contract that he signed. But he didn't. He doesn't feel that he's worth it at 
at this time. And if he was in the Canadian shoes at this time today, he wouldn't have matched it as well. But he still sees a good projection for Kotkaniemi and a type of player that, um, that he feels that he will uh, become. And and part of development, also, Stefan Waits mentioned that he thinks that Kotkaniemi should also look himself in, uh, in, uh, in the mirror for when it comes to the maturity. And he even spoke about a time when Claude Julien was still coach, where apparently Claude Julien was delivering a message and Kotkaniemi was spotted rolling his eyes back at uh, what Julien was saying. But he saw, he put that under the umbrella of immaturity, that, that he's going to grow out of it. And when that happens, he'll be a really good player. He thinks he'll be a really good number two NHL centerman once... Um, once that's done. So some more interesting comments there, Rick, from, uh, from Stefan Waite. You and I both have rolled our eyes uh, when we heard things from Claude Julien before, but so, <laughs> uh, but no, I think this, uh, I think you're right on here. Um, a really insightful uh, commentary from Stefan Waite on yes, Barry Kotkin. I mean, and I think he's dead on, absolutely dead on. Uh, talked about, Kotkaniemi being an old teenager that uh, he may have crossed out of his teens, but but both physically and and uh, and maturity wise, um, he's uh, he's still he's still a, a teen, um, body not developed, uh, and and his his uh, uh, psychological um, uh, maturity uh, when he's when he's more focused, uh, when he's more serious. Um, uh, uh, Stefan Waite said Kinami is going to be a complete player and then beware, look out. Um, he's going to be a really good player. Um, I thought that was, was absolutely fascinating. And I, I think it's, I think it's absolutely right. Uh, he wasn't able to, to mature. Uh, he wasn't able to grow into his body, uh, particularly with all the pressure that he felt being tossed into the lineup. And and listen, we know that that um, that was that was a pressure time for for Mark Bergevin. He had tried a number of solutions at center. It was it was his uh, mission when he came to the Montreal Canadiens to solve the problem of that had been for so many years that the Canadians didn't have uh, uh, a top flight, uh, two top flight centers. And Mark Bergevin said, I will solve that problem. Tried it with Galchenyuk, didn't work. Tried it trading for Jonathan Durant, that didn't work. Tried it with Max Domi, that didn't work. So they rushed Kotkaniemi in and, uh, and obviously uh, it was, it was a little, it was too much too soon. And, uh, and, and Stefan Wade, I think is pretty accurate that, uh, give him some time, let him grow in, uh, to, uh, him himself and, and give him the right guidance. And, uh, and he's going to be, uh, the kind of player that people thought when he was chosen third overall in the 2018 NHL entry draft. And, um, so, uh, so just to give some context, also Stefan Waite, he's a friend of the host that, on the show that he was on, on uh, 98.5 FM. So you know what that means? Expect him to be on there on a regular basis. So I'm sure <laughs> we're going to get some more juicy comments from, uh, from Stefan Waite during, uh, during, this, uh, during the season. So, so that'll, be, uh, that'll be good to keep an eye out. You, you could get some good insight from the dressing room, For from sure. uh, somebody who's been there that recent. 
All right. So uh, as our last topic here in this uh, first segment, uh, so as I mentioned at the top of the podcast, uh, today that we're recording is September 11th, 20 year anniversary of what happened at uh, the World Trade Center and um, 20 years ago today. And Rick, the NHL uh, posted uh, some moments to remember. For sure, the the NHL is looking back and and uh, and making tributes. Uh, Mark Messier is sharing some of his memories. Of course, that iconic photo uh, with Messier on the ice uh, in Madison Square, wearing the firefighter's uh, helmet, who had uh, been killed. Um, and uh, there's there's tributes coming in, um, you know, all over the NHL. The, the NHL lost. Uh, certainly uh, two of its own in Ace Bailey and Mark Davis, who were scouts for um, uh, Los Angeles Kings. Uh, they were on one of those hijacked flights uh, of the two planes that crashed into the Twin Towers at the World Trade Center. Almost 3,000 people killed, uh, more than 6,000 injured. Uh, a ter- just a terrible day that uh, whether you were in the, the United States or, or Canada wherever it, um, it it's one of those times where you'll remember right where you you were and and I was in Toronto at a time at that time um, administrative college and uh, I remember being on Avenue Road and seeing the Canadian CF18s uh, f- uh, hovering over the Toronto Harbor and then turning and uh, just screaming up Avenue Road and and it was a, a sight I you know I hadn't seen before and hadn't seen since and and uh, certainly affected all of us and and um, uh, we just want to honor those that uh, uh, that uh, were lost uh, during that day and and pledge uh, never to forget the day yeah. no, for sure I call those thoughts as well and I remember when that was happening I was actually headed to uh, Concordia University with uh, with my brother when uh, when we started hearing the news on the radio and then I remember being in my class that morning and the professor of that class was um, was American and and she couldn't hold it together. It was very understandable as well. So that class didn't uh, didn't last too long. So um, so today, like like you mentioned, Rick, that we'll always remember where we were, what happened, and by uh, we'll also remember everybody who was impacted by um, by that day. All right, we're going to take our first break here on the Canadians uh, Connection. Coming up next in our big topic segment, we'll talk about the Canadians fans' favorite topic on social media. We're going to talk about forward lines. We're going to talk about defensive pairings and other questions related to training camp. Stay with us. This is the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. Rocket Sports Media is currently recruiting talented, motivated, and committed people to join our team. If you're a student wishing to gain experience, a young professional interested in broadening your credentials, an experienced hockey mind looking for a platform to share your expertise, or a passionate fan looking to contribute to our publications by connecting with fellow hockey fans, we want to hear from you. If you are bright, loyal, passionate, and willing to dedicate yourself to a remarkable team, visit allhabs.net and click the Join Our Team tab today. In every city around the world, sports fans flock to popular watering holes to share a few pints, some good grub, and to cheer for their team. 
Think your favorite sports bar deserves to be recognized? Or are you traveling to a new place and need to find the perfect spot to watch a game? HockeyPub.com is the answer. Find out where the best spots are in your city to eat, drink, and meet fellow fans. HockeyPub.com. Want the latest Habs news with game previews, reviews, and highlights? How about full coverage of development camps and special events? Looking to follow the Laval Rocket more closely this season? Perhaps you'd like to learn more about team prospects. Would you like a place to socialize with hockey fans all over the world? We've got what you're looking for at allhabs.net, the place where you'll find everything you need to be the most informed and connected Habs fan around. Allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to the Canadian's Connection podcast on the Rocket Sports Radio. I'm Chris G, and you can find me on Twitter at ChrisHabs360. And with me in studio is the president and founder of Rocket Sports, Rick Stevens. You can follow him on Twitter at AllHabs on the Twitter. And don't forget, you can also follow Habs Connection on the Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram, and visit our website at CanadiansConnection.com. And don't forget to subscribe to the Canadian's Connection podcast in the player in this player or on your favorite podcast app, whichever that is. My personal favorite is uh, Spotify. Should I, should arrange for a sponsorship deal? Uh, Spotify, that? Spotify, yeah. The quality of the sound is great on Spotify. Yeah, we should probably add it the last 30 seconds out. I don't want to give them a free plug, but you know, <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> All right, so uh, lots of questions heading into the training camp scheduled to uh, begin um September 22nd, the day after the uh, the, the golf tournament. And well, we're going to try to answer some questions here from uh, from training camp. I'm going to, as the uh, unofficial uh, Rocket Sports prognosti- pro- prognosticator, uh-huh. I'm going to make my predictions on some of these uh, questions. And, you know, like, maybe you could go on and place... Uh, I don't know if they have these kind of bets on uh, DraftKings, but <laughs> or else go up there and and make your draft kings bet anyways. So Alright. So one of the so one of the questions that came up, we spoke about it earlier a little bit in uh in today's episode about the center position. So I think we could I think everybody trusts Nick Suzuki and what he could bring to uh, to the team. I think with the addition as well of of uh, Christian Dvorak down the middle is a good addition. But then I feel, Rick, that uh, the rest of the center positions, like number three spot, even like uh, a lot of a lot of us, including myself, like we've slotted in Jake Evans as the number three center on the team or number four, depending on you know your projections. But Jake Evans, I don't feel like he has like a guaranteed spot. I don't think he could go into training camp either, thinking that you know this spot is mine and I'm. I'm I might. Uh, I'm gonna get it. Like he's everything that has to do with the bottom six centers. I think is up in up in here. I think so too. Um, yes, um, Nick Suzuki, the one uh, C slot, uh, Christian Dvorak. Uh, given what uh, um, Mark Bergevin had to give up to 
to uh, get him is uh, it, it probably belongs if you're we're being fair uh, to his to his skill to his talent probably on a Stanley Cup contending team belongs in the three C position but for the Canadians uh, because of what happened will will uh, give be given every opportunity to uh, to to manage that uh, second C slot uh, but after that yeah I think. Then everything is is up in the air. Uh, Jake Evans is uh, uh, the favorite uh, for that third line spot. Uh, 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 Cedric Paquette um, and uh, and 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 Ryan Paling, um, you know, uh, fighting over the fourth line slot. But I I think the battle is is those three individuals uh, for for the 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 bottom two uh, center slots. Um, and maybe even throw Lucas Vedemo in there uh, uh, because the Canadians have liked him when he's been up. But certainly uh, uh, Ryan Paling, first-round pick, great season last year, uh, leading the Laval Rocket. Uh, he's had a good off-season training and, uh, and, and, it's, and, and recovering uh, from uh, wrist surgery. Uh, I, I think he's going to uh, he's going to really uh, try to turn heads in, in camp. Uh, so it should be a competitive battle for that third and fourth uh, center slot. Yeah, and, and we heard when we heard from uh, the Coyotes general manager Armstrong, he said that Mark Bergevin reached out to him at the draft to start talking about the Christian Dvorak. So at that time, obviously, Bergevin was preparing to replace uh, Philip Dano at that time. So I think like Bergevin's initial plan for the season was to go with the top three centers to be Suzuki, Dvorak, or Kot- and Kotkaniemi, or Kotkaniemi, Dvorak, whatever. But at least that center line, I, f- I feel, would have been stronger than the options that we uh, that we just spoke about. Mm-hmm. And and speaking of like, Ryan Paling, which is another name that that you brought up. The only way that I see, and obviously here now, like I'm assuming a healthy team besides uh, Weber and uh, Paul Byron, I'm assuming everybody else is healthy. Uh, the only sp- player that I think that Paling has a chance of winning a spot over is is Jake Evans for down the middle. The wings, which you know could be another option, right? Start him off playing on the wing. They're, they're jam-packed with the Canadians. I don't see anybody from the wing on the healthy Canadians that um, that Ryan Payne could take the spot. So I think his only chance to start the season is down the, the middle. And besides Jake Evans, I don't see him uh, being able to win another spot. Obviously, if he starts scoring three goals a game, it changes the, the whole scenario. And I, I, it's just a feeling that I have. I think the Canadians likely feel that way, maybe which is maybe why they offered Paling for this year a two-way contract and a one-way for the following year. But Rick, I don't know what your thoughts are. I think it will it will be tough for Paling to make the opening night roster on the healthy team. It is, um, but I I think that uh, I know he wants. Uh, that's where his focus is. I know the Canadians would like to see that happen, um, but he's going to have to to really show himself. And and listen, he's done that before in camp. Uh, there was the the camp where he was uh, in the rookie tournament. He was uh, concussed and and uh, and had been looking good uh, prior to that. In fact, he had he was looking better in that rookie camp than Nick Suzuki at the time. 
And uh, he's had some bad luck along the way. Uh, he's had some setbacks, but uh, he seems bound and determined. And and uh, uh, if 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 he does start the season in Laval, I don't think it's going to be too long before uh, he gets that uh, that call up. And and if we look at the the Canadians top line, like uh, I think we're all assuming that the Suzuki and Caulfield duo will stay intact in from what we saw in uh, in uh, the postseason, and you know I would agree that they should remain uh, together. And Rick, I think that they're going to go with Tyler Toffoli once again, add him to that uh, trio. They seem they had uh, some kind of success in the postseason, and at least to start off with, I think that's uh, that's a good trio to start off with. Yeah, we we ag- have agreed uh, on on uh, the lineup, and and that would be the the top line of of uh, Nick Suzuki at center, Caulfield, uh, and uh, on the right side, and Tyler Toffoli on the left side. That there was a lot of chemistry there uh, during the playoff run. Um, Nick Suzuki, the playmaker, he that there's two options there. Uh, for shooters, uh, they 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 have different kind of uh, approaches to scoring their goals, but uh, both very effective into Foley and Caulfield. Uh, that would be a pretty dangerous uh, top line for the Montreal Canadiens, and and I think they're going to start that way uh, to open training camp. And f- in, and in our, our second line, like uh, at least the way that I see it is, you know, we mentioned that Christian Dvorak on this roster, he becomes the the number two center, and in in my projections. I projected Jonathan Drouin on the left wing and Josh Anderson on the, the right side. My reasoning behind it is, you know, Christian Dvorak, we mentioned it, he's a 200-foot player, so he'll be able to, you know, hopefully make up for what uh, Jonathan Drouin's weakness, which is his own end of the ice. And, and we know Josh Anderson, you know, when he's at his best, he's crashing the net, he's causing havoc in front of the net. And I think that's a good opportunity as well for uh, Jonathan Joint to shine in that kind of environment for him as well. So Christian Dvorak isn't without his, his flaws and, and uh, he needs skilled players with him. Um, Josh Anderson, Jonathan Duran, both skilled players. Christian Dvorak also needs players who are going to carry the puck for him. He's not good at zone exit zone entries uh you know in in uh um uh, arizona and and there's always criticism that that he played with uh bad players in arizona that wasn't true uh christian dvorak played with taylor hall played with connor garland played with uh uh, phil kessel uh phil kessel a kind of guy who will carry the puck for you and that's when christian dvorak can be the most successful josh anderson obviously uh the kind of guy who can uh carry the puck up the ice uh, Jonathan Duran um, needs, uh, you know, we know that that he isn't going to be the kind of guy who goes in and digs the puck. Uh, he's not going to be the guy who creates turnovers. Uh, that's Josh Anderson on that line. So Josh Anderson is both a good complement to Christian Dvorak and to Jonathan uh, Duran. And of course, Duran then can be the playmaker for uh, Dvorak. Uh, who likes to go to the front of that, can play that bumper position. So um, I agree with you that this looks like the most likely uh, uh, second line. And and these are these lines that we're coming up with are not um, necessarily predicting what Dominic Ducharme is going to do, but these are uh, the lines that we predict are going to be the most successful in our eyes anyway. And 
on the third line, this is where it gets interesting. I think the wingers here are a safe assumption. We have uh, have Mike Hoffman on left wing, Brendan Gallagher on the right wing, and for now I have Jake Evans slotted down the middle. And <laughs> the funny thing is when I posted my my projections earlier this week on Twitter, one of the replies that I got from, from one of my followers was, that's an expensive third line. Because that third line is worth eleven, it's about worth twelve million dollars. And my response to that, well, your first line is cheap, right? It's not even it's like five million for for that. But anyways, but but here, like so, so Jake Evans, you know, that's why I've put it, I slotted in as a center right now. You know, that's the one where I think Ryan Ping has a chance to jump in there and take that spot. Um, so Jake Evans, he's he's good in the faceoffs, he's good in the penalty kill as well, so he could take some of those uh, tough uh, defensive minutes as well. Uh, hopefully make up for Mike Hoffman, who is not known to play uh, well without the puck uh, uh, as well on left wing. And then Brendan Gallagher, we know the type of player that uh, he could be. You know, He could put in goals, he could play in a shutdown uh, role as well. So I feel those three players are a good uh, complement to each other. Yeah, I agree again. Uh, Hoffman, um, as as we said, it, uh, you have to kind of complement each other. Hoffman, uh, not knowing known as you said uh, for being great without the puck, not not really effective at five on five, not effective defensively. Um, so Jake Evans, a uh, pretty responsible defensive player, uh, has speed, uh, really quick, would make up for that. And Brendan Gallagher, he's the guy that's going to go in and. And uh, and retrieve the puck for you, uh, and create all sorts of havoc. Um, so that very complimentary. But you can see where Ryan Paling would also fit quite nicely into that. Ryan Paling, uh, very good uh, on the forecheck, very good uh, in front of the net, uh, very good on on using his uh, his size. Uh, so either one would be a compliment to Hoffman and Gallagher. And I think, like, like I, I, I picture Jake Evans on this fourth line that I have up here that I tweeted earlier this week. I have Arturi Lekkonen on the left wing and Yoel Armia on the right side. And for right now, because I've slotted Evans on line number three, I put in Cedric Paquette as the fourth line s- center. And we've always seen, like, you know, Lekkonen, he has a very good uh, work ethic. Uh, with or without the puck, you know he has trouble putting the puck in the net. But the rest of that, you know, the uh, rest of his game is there's no is no concern. Very reliable player, and Yuel Armia, we've seen he's he's very strong with the puck, and well, he, especially compared to Lekkonen, he's able to put the puck in the net uh, as well. And then down the middle, for now, I've slotted Cedric Paquette, but that's where you could potentially see like a Jake Evans or a. A Ryan Pilling fitting in as well, for sure. Uh, your fourth line, you want it to be an energy line. You want it to uh, take some energy out of the opposition, and who better but to have uh, both Lekkonen and Armia on that line? As you said, uh, Armia is a possession guy. Tough to get the puck away from him, and uh, Arturi Lekkonen is a, a wizard at creating uh, turnovers and and on the four check. Uh, Lekkonen had really good chemistry with Jake Evans. Uh, both are very quick. Um, and, uh, and so, you know, uh, we talk about these chess pieces on the third line center position, whether it be Jake Evans, whether it be Cedric Paquette, uh, or whether it, it be Ryan Paling. Yeah. And then, you know, 
it kind of also gives an idea because now we we haven't put in Mathieu Perrault either. We haven't put in Paul Byron well, because he's injured, but Paul Byron is also another piece we spoke about. Like in our lines, Ryan Ping right now isn't in those lines. So there's still some very well. There's there's still some good players that Canadians have that isn't in their lineup. So you know when Byron comes back and stuff like that, like there's still some assets that can allow Bergevin during the season to make some adjustments if uh, if needed, if injuries happened, um, etc. And there's also a couple of young players that we'll get to in uh, in a couple of moments. But I want to move on now. Let's talk about the defensive pairings. Uh, I think we can safely assume that uh, Joel Edmondson and Jeff Petrie will become the, the number one pairing on uh, on the team. They've been lined up since together since uh, Joel Edmondson has joined the Canadians except for a brief period of time when Ben Sharot was uh, was injured. But Rick, uh, that pairing is—I don't think that pairing is getting separated. No, I I, I don't either. Evans and Petrie—they play well together. They complement each other well together. Um, Jeff Petrie's had some issues when he's been counting on counted on to be the guy uh, to be the you know the 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 number one uh, defenseman. Um, but hopefully that experience through the playoffs has uh, prepared him, and and uh, uh, I would I think it would be a shock if it if it isn't uh, Petrie and Edmondson on the first uh, pairing. Um, probably <laughs> the biggest mm-hmm. shock in in uh, in camp. <laughs> yeah, that was for sure. Uh, the second pairing that will leave Ben Sharat with uh, new with uh, newly acquired defenseman uh, David Savard, and you know we've heard. Uh, I know for sure we've heard it uh, from was it Dushan or Bergman Bynes, but we've heard it from from Canadians saying that on they feel that on the ice, like in terms of minutes played, that David Savard could replace the minutes that Shea Weber played. So, you know, I think on a, on a, on a good team, Savard would be a third pairing defenseman. But with the with the current Canadians roster, I think Savard will play some big minutes with uh, with the Canadians. Yeah, I agree. Um, I would like to see uh, Savard on the third pairing. I'd like to even see him with uh, Romanov, the way he was able to complement Sergachev on, on, on the Lightning team. But on this team, I think uh, they're going to expect more from David Savard. Uh, and, you know, we saw in the playoffs they want their defensemen to be tough to play against. And uh, that means guys like Edmondson, guys like Sherratt, guys like Savard playing lots of minutes, and that would that would put uh, Edmondson's uh, Sherratt, Savard, uh, and Petrie as the puck mover in the uh, in the top two pairings. And the third pairing is, this is the one where it gets tough. <laughs> where I, well, because now essentially we have uh, Brett Kulak, Alex Romanov, and uh, Chris Weidman, who was uh, acquired during the offseason as well. Um, in my last projection, I put the third pairing of Kulak and and Romanov on a third pairing, but I'm not really confident. Like I'm not I'm not sure what's gonna happen with that third pairing. Like we we've seen like the coaching staff rotate. We saw them rotate Kulak and Romanov in and out of the lineup. So are they gonna take the chance or and give the first shot to Chris Weidman as well to play in the third pairing? But at the end of my final projection, I did go with uh, Kulak and Romnov. How do you see that playing out? 
Kulak and Romanov uh, looked pretty good uh, during the season for the most part. It was only um, once they upset that pairing, uh, giving uh, Victor Mete some playing time that that kind of the wheels started to fall off there. And and uh, um, so, you know, Chris Weideman is is uh, a real unknown. Um, lots of NHL experience um, last year in in the KHL. And uh, and it's unknown how he's going to readjust, and and uh, so I think that whole situation is pretty fluid. Um, Kulak not always uh, necessarily uh, the guy that you want out there every single night. Uh, so maybe that's why Mark Bergevin uh, and he did this on his own. It wasn't prompted by a question. Uh, Mark Bergevin mentioned the name Matthias Norlander. And uh, so maybe uh, Norlander will be uh, given a chance uh, to make the, the lineup on, on that third pairing. But, um, boy, that would be uh, a lot of inexperience back there uh, with uh, Norlander and Romanov. I don't know about that. Yeah, I don't I don't expect that happening. And, and to be honest, I think what just happened with with uh, Kotkaniemi yeah. and and Bergevin, he said on Monday that looking back, you know, it probably was the right decision to keep Kotkaniemi here uh, in his in his rookie season. I'm thinking like they just might be uh, very patient with uh, with somebody like Norlander, and you know maybe send him to Laval, make him go back to Europe. But I'm thinking that they won't. Try that route so quickly after what happened with um, with KK. So, yeah. so we'll see. Any so now like, one of the big assumptions, like I mentioned when we started off, was we're assuming a, a healthy team besides Weber and uh, Paul Barn because we definitely know that they won't be there for the start of the season. But Rick, like from either the players that we're, we're going to see at rookie camp this upcoming week, like. Do you see which players do you see might have a potential of maybe causing a, a surprise? Well, um, you know, uh, Jesse Alonen, uh, when he's on, um, he hasn't been consistent, but when he's on, he looks like an NHLer. Um, his skating, his, his shot, his release, the way he moves, his stature. Uh, Jesse Alonen, uh, could be an NHLer, but his consistency has been uh, his issue. We don't know, you know, how he's progressed uh, in the offseason. Norlander, as we say, where there's some question marks there. Um, we, we've talked about paling. Uh, Lucas Vedemo is kind of that under-the-radar kind of guy who, uh, you know, is he just goes about his job and, and, and does it. Nothing, nothing flashy. Uh, and, um, you know, is he the kind of guy that you'd keep up as an extra forward and, uh, and let Paling, uh, get the big minutes in, in Lavelle? Um, you know, I, I, I don't, I don't know if we're going to see any of that. Uh, but I, I suspect that, you know, if there were to be surprises, uh, those are the guys that, uh, may be involved. And I can't believe I forgot about the most important position, the goaltending, so Rick, do you like <laughs> no Carey Price he has to fight hard, right, to earn his spots <laughs> in the training camp. I think Callum has a chance, right? He could be the number one goalie. Oh well Jake's got a new mask, so you never know. <laughs> but um it was interesting back to that Stefan Waite um uh uh interview. Uh he mentioned 
that he still keeps in in regular touch with uh, with Carey Price by by text. They text each other regularly. Um, uh, Stefan Waite said, "I know Carey's in is training hard and that he's in great shape, uh, and that uh, Stefan Waite said that Carey Price is going to be there for day one of training camp." Uh, that's some. That isn't something that Dominic Ducharme was willing to commit to. Um, he said day one or or thereabouts kind of thing. But uh, Stefan Waite said we're going to see Kerry uh, day one at training camp. And and Stefan Waite actually during that interview also mentioned how much the Canadians are going to miss the leadership of uh, Shea Weber and Corey Perry. So those are the two particular names that uh, that Stefan Waite. Mentioned, we could throw in also the name of uh, of Eric Stahl, and we knew uh, last off season was it I think it was six players with Stanley Cup with Stanley Cup winners that Mark Bergevin added to uh, to to, uh, to the roster. So now Shea Weber's gone, Corey Perry's gone, uh, Eric Stahl's not signed. Like I doubt he'll be back. So now the only replacement in terms of cup experience is that he brought in David Savard. But this the leadership, like we still don't know what Shea Weber's role will be off the ice, how much he'll be involved, how close, how far he will be. Like we're assuming that there will be some kind of involvement. Charm said that even during the off season, Weber has kept in touch with uh, the players like he would any other year. But I think it will likely put more pressure on the Carey Price on the roster. It will put more pressure on the Brendan Gallagher on the roster to be, you know, more vocal to be like to play like a bigger leadership role. And who knows, maybe even a veteran like Jeff Petrie might have to. But it's for sure, Rick. Well, I, I'm, I don't know if you agree with me, but at least in terms of the leadership point of view, Canadians have taken a step back compared to how they finished the season. 100%. 100%. Yeah, they're... I know uh, Shea Weber gets criticized, but there's no there's no better captain, there's no better leader. He's he's in the the NHL. He's widely recognized as as one of the best. Uh, and given what he w- was had to go through every single uh, game to get on the ice, he had a ton of respect from the players, and you saw that at the end of the Tampa Bay series, how they each went up to him uh, on the ice. Um, uh, it, it's going to be a bit of a leadership vacuum, um, you know, as, as well. Uh, Byron's not going to be there, and he had been wearing an A um, uh, for the first uh, first half of the season. So, as you said, Gallagher, uh, Jeff Petrie, you know, uh, longevity. He's been there a while and, and uh, one of their better players, and so... He's going to be expected, but Jeff Petrie is a pretty quiet guy in the in the locker room. Um, is not going to be able to fill those shoes. Um, a lot, as you said, will fall to Carey Price. Uh, Josh Anderson at times really stepped up, um, and uh, and certainly in the media, uh, you know, was very vocal about what the team had to do. Uh, we'll see if if he plays a bigger role. Uh, ben Sherrod is a guy who had learned from Shea Weber. Uh, and maybe prime for a bigger role with respect to leadership. Uh, will he get an A? Uh, we don't know. And, and you know, the Canadians do like to have uh, a French speaker with an A. Uh, Paul Byron had had played that role. And given David Savard's experience, will, uh, you know, will the, will those be the kind, will those be the names of the players where the A gets kind of rotated uh, through the season? We'll see. And one more que- and one more question headed into like the, the training camp. Like, um, 
from last season, I wasn't expecting it to get at this point. I thought it would have been uh, concluded by now. But Mark Bergevin is headed into the final year of his contract with uh, the Montreal Canadiens. And when you met the media uh, on uh, on Monday, he was asked if there was anything to report. And he said there was nothing new to report on his end when it comes to his contract. So he's going to... looks like he's heading into the season on his final contract. It's... It's rare. Uh, it does happen, but it's still rare that it happens that uh, some from management uh, plays out the final year of his contract. Uh, it's been reported that he was offered a three-year contract extension that's, that remained unsigned. So at this point, Rick, I'm not really sure anymore what's, uh, what's going to happen with Mark Bergevin. And Every time he's going to be speaking, it's going to until there's an, an announcement made whether he's going to stay, he's going to move on, etc. I think it will be um, uh, a distraction and hoping that you know some kind of resolution happens shortly. Either way, on that case, people beeping their horns. A Mark Bergevin supporter right there. Um, yeah. <laughs> that uh, yeah, it, it it all kind of came up at the end of the season, kind of unprompted. Uh, well, no, I guess it was asked. Uh, about Mark Bergevin going into his last season and kind of surprised the media when he said uh, simply that he'd honor the last year of his contract. Uh, Negotiation and, tactic. And, well, that's 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 kind of what I got out of it. Uh, folks thought maybe he was moving on, tired of being GM, but it looks to me like Mark Bergevin was in negotiation mode. And there's been all kinds of uh, reporting from Renault Lavoie on, on that something is cooking that uh, before training camp, Mark Bergevin will sign a three-year extension. Pierre Dorian in, in uh, uh, Ottawa just signed uh, an extension there. So um, we'll, we'll see if it happens. Uh, it'll, it would be very odd for uh, the Canadian's GM to go into the season uh, in the final year of his contract. Yeah, and and I was looking at the thing as the general managers, and you know Mark Bergevin is up there. There's only, well, only there's six other GMs that have more longer tenure than him right now. So he's uh, he's up there in terms of that. So we'll we'll keep you updated on on all these questions that we that we asked, all the projections that we made on our lines, see how right we are, how wrong we are, and then if we're wrong, well, we could come on here and make fun of each other like we uh, <laughs> like we always do, which is which is okay. <laughs> all right, we're gonna take our final break here in the Canadians Connection. When we come back, we'll tell you what uh, to expect this upcoming week. We'll take a look at the question of the week and a lot of other fun stuff. So stay with us. You're listening to the Canadians Connection podcast on Rocket Sports Radio. The Canadians Connection is proud to be a partner of Rocket Sports Media, digital media publishers of sports and entertainment websites. Their mission is to build a worldwide network of sports fans who are informed, engaged, entertained, and connected. Learn more about RSM, its team, and its portfolio of brands at rocketsportsmedia.com. I bet you enjoy sporting your best Habs jerseys, dressing up your kids and pets in the cutest Habs gear, and showing off your decked out hockey cave or fan ink. Well, don't just show your friends, show your Habs. The team at All Habs wants you to boast your finest pictures for our global network of Montreal Canadiens fans. Include the hashtag ShowYourHabs when posting your fan photos on Twitter, Facebook, or Instagram. Then log on to ShowYourHabs.com to see your entries, along with photos and posts from Habs fans all over the world. 
a proud member of the Rocket Sports Media Network. If you're a business owner looking for the perfect platform to reach a targeted audience of customers, Rocket Sports Media is the solution. Our global hockey community provides unmatched social media reach to an attentive demographic of sports and entertainment fans. We can provide visibility to your company, helping you to engage and leverage this prime group of potential clientele. In addition, we also offer sponsorship opportunities for fan events and featured areas of website content, giving you name and logo recognition. Visit Rocketsportsmedia.com to contact us regarding this unique marketing opportunity. For the most trusted source of news, analysis, and features about the Montreal Canadiens, their affiliates, and their prospects, log in to allhabs.net, your year-round resource for anything Habs-related. That's allhabs.net. All right, welcome back to episode 154 of the Canadians Connection podcast on the Rocket Sports Radio. You can follow Habs Connection on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram. I always have trouble saying that. Instagram. Instagram. <laughs> and visit our website at canadiansconnection.com. Let's take a look at a couple of things, Rick, from across our different uh, platforms. So every Monday, yours truly, Habs Notepad, with a wrap-up of the latest news from uh, from the weekend. And then from Tuesday to uh, Friday, every weekday, the um, the headlines post written by, uh, by yourself. And this week we had a guest post that was written uh, on, the, on Tuesday or uh, one day this week. I have memory blank right now. It was written by Erin Manning, who uh, posted her uh, reaction and her feelings on uh, the Spreikot Kinemi offer sheet and his development and et cetera. That's right. The the uh, both Habs Notepad, Habs Headlines. They're a capsule of news, uh, a short read that come out every morning, six a.m., uh, so that you don't have to search all over the place. Just go to one place, allhabs.net, uh, and you'll get caught up on the news. But uh, the the guest post was really interesting. Erin uh, Manning is uh, she's a, a writer of uh, young adult fiction. And uh, a relatively new hockey fan and uh, lives in Texas, I believe, uh, but is, uh, you know, immerses herself as a fan and and, uh, learns everything there is to know. And it was just interesting reading uh, her perspective uh, with respect to uh, Jesper Kotkaniemi and and, uh, her husband uh, is a big fan of Nick Suzuki. And and, uh, it's it's our commitment uh, to, listen, we have credentialed journalists that work uh, tirelessly and bring you views from uh, around the league and uh, and from uh, the team themselves. And then we like to uh, sprinkle that with uh, our, our, our Habs uh, fan uh, perspective. And Aaron was uh, was a good one uh, right there. Another fan, a big fan of the team, Ben Danku. Uh, he does uh, YouTube videos for us, the Habs Fan Forum. Uh, that comes out, and it's got a new look to it, uh, which looks really slick. I, I like it a lot. Uh, Amy Johnson looking after that for us. Uh, and so uh, go to youtube.com slash allhabs and uh, check out uh, Ben's uh, Habs Fan Forum uh, videos. Like them, share them. Make sure you comment as well. Uh, we want to hear your views. Um, this segment 
segment is is have your say. So we're we'd love to talk about uh, the opportunities that you have to give us feedback, whether it's sending us an email, whether it's sending us a text, or commenting on the content that we put out there for you. Uh, and, and Rick, while we're at it, like, why don't you talk, tell us about two new contributors that uh, that joined the team? Well, I, we mentioned um, uh, we have Patrick Williams joining the AHL Report team. Patrick is a really experienced journalist, uh, a, a great hockey mind for the AHL. Uh, he'll put out an article every week on AHL.Report, uh, and he joins the team with uh, with you and uh, and Amy Johnson, uh, and then he sits in on the, uh, the AHL hot stove. Uh, we've got uh, three new contributors uh, that are going to be added to our both our AHL report team and uh, our All Habs team, uh, and uh, and those we're gonna we're gonna announce uh, uh, on on social media this week. They're just getting their onboarding. They're just uh, we're exposing them uh, to all the the uh, the team and and uh, and the way we do things. And uh, we'll we'll be introducing those folks throughout the week. Uh, it's not too late, though. Uh, if you want to join our All Habs team or our AHL Report team, our Rocket Sports team, um, applications been pouring in, but uh, we're we're happy. Just a couple of days to send them in, but we're happy to take a look at a few more. Go to AHL.Report. Go to AllHabs.net. Both sites have a join our uh, team uh, tab and submit your application and we'll get back to you as soon as we can. And uh, as you mentioned, Rick, it's, it's the Have Your Say segment. And one of the things that we posted on uh, on our Twitter accounts uh, earlier today was asking our, our followers for their projection of forward lines and defensive pairings. And what does it look like? Were we way off to what uh, what our followers think? No, no, not really at all. Uh, Leon Leon Kamidis on Twitter has uh, he has Mike Hoffman on the first line with Suzuki and Caulfield, uh, and he has uh, Paling centering uh, the fourth line between Lekkonen and Armia. Some of the highlights of of uh, of his. Uh, lineup on the fence. Uh, interestingly enough, he has Sherratt on the third pairing with Chris Weidman. Uh, Jim Parker has uh, uh, Jonathan Drouin on that first line with Suzuki and Caulfield. A lot of skill. Uh, we don't know who's going to retrieve the puck there, but uh, mm-hmm. that's how he sees things. And again, fourth line, he has uh, uh, Paling as the center. Uh, Dodgers underscore Habs, that's Sophie. She has Jonathan Drouin on the first line. Uh, she has Mike Hoffman on the fourth line with Paling and Armia, and her uh, third pairing is Sherratt and Kulak. And and it's funny because in one of my earlier iterations of the projections, like before the Dvorak, I had Joy up there with uh, Suzuki and Caulfield, but more I think about it, I, I did make some changes. Uh, you had some more comments, uh, Rick, to share with us. Well, um, li- we mentioned last week our podcasts, uh, record downloads, and we're, we can't thank you enough. Uh, we can't thank you enough for uh, for listening uh, to the uh, episode 153 and the bonus episode, the offer sheet and the aftermath, as it turned out. Um, and uh, you you either really liked it or didn't like it, and and that's fine too. Uh, we're always happy to hear your your comments. Um, we had uh, uh, Wilfred Millette say that uh, first 
every player is responsible for their own development. There are players who have come into the NHL straight out of the draft and had success. Competition is the best way to develop any player. And then he says, goes on to say, secondly, uh, Kakinyemi would have been absolutely crazy not to sign the offer sheet. And I wish him nothing but success. Um, our own Mike Raschel uh, says, uh, th- thank you for being critical and for uh, complimenting the, the Hurricanes. Please don't ever hold back. In my opinion, that's why our followers come here uh, to uh, consume our content. Uh, to the point, trustworthy and honestly re- honest reporting and analysis. Uh, and to him, the uh, Kakinami hate on Twitter. I know he's uh, he's a member of the Canes now, so the uh, the Habs fans jump in and and uh, and and spread the hate. But to Mike, that's been a bit of uh, embarrassing, as has uh, has uh, embarrassing has also been the straight comparison as KK to Dvorak. We heard uh, uh, Stefan Waite uh, saying, "No, no, no, you don't want to do that. You want to compare Dvorak." to uh, 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 Phil Deneau, and he's the, the replacement. So um, lots of comments. Uh, we read them all. We try to respond to them all, and uh, we try to air some of those comments here on uh, uh, the Canadians Connection podcast. If you have a text, our text line is open 24 hours a day. Rocket Sports text line is 5853-ROCKET. Yeah, so plenty of ways to uh, to reach us throughout all our different social media platforms. You know, you could you could you know follow me on Twitter as well at Chris Habs three sixty and leave me any comments on whether on today's show or anything related to Montreal Canadiens or the Laval Rocket, and I'll gladly have a conversation and I'll gladly disagree with you in a polite way. So. <laughs> It's all, <laughs> it's all good, and also don't forget we have also the press zone, which uh, published every uh, Tuesday with uh, with Rick and uh, Amy Johnson as well. So go to your favorite podcast platform. I won't repeat which room wine, which one of mine is my favorite, but you can go to it, subscribe to both those uh, podcasts, and you'll be you'll have complete coverage of the Montreal Canadiens organization. Uh, between the, the two podcasts that are produced here by uh, Rocket Sports uh, Radio. What a busy week uh, coming up. Uh, so stay with us. we got the rookie camp uh, starting. And, uh, and, and listen, it was great to have you back in the hosting chair again. Uh, you usually politely disagree with me. We agreed more than we usually do, uh, and that's okay, I guess. But uh, I look forward to the next time you're back hosting uh, so that we can disagree a little bit more. Yeah, so so Amy will be back in the hosting chair uh, next uh, next two weeks. So uh, so meanwhile, that I'll be still preparing like the, the Habs notepad every Monday. I'll be getting geared up also to uh, start covering the Laval Rocket at uh, at Place Bell when uh, when that season gets underway as well. So so th- thanks, Rick. Thank you everybody for listening to another edition of uh, the Canadians Connection podcast. I'm Chris G. Chris Habs360 on Twitter. And we'll talk again soon. Click subscribe so you never miss an episode of Canadians Connection. Visit allhabs.net for breaking news about the Montreal Canadiens. Mm-hmm.